K-A-L-W. I don't remember. I don't remember my mother saying it. But she was affectionate. She always wanted to kiss you and hug you, and I used to hate that. Many Black folks say they never heard the words, I love you, growing up, but still felt the love every day. Oh, honey, it's everything. The smell, the taste, the smoke in the house that you got to open up the windows and be like, ooh, Granny made your chicken. <laughs> Today, Black expressions of love beyond words. To step with someone and they pull you in close like a slow dance, it does actually satisfy that intimacy craving. It's Black Love, a Valentine's Day special from The Stoop. I'm Hanat Baba, and this is Cross Currents. Today we're presenting a Valentine's special from The Stoop podcast, hosted by me and Leela Day. We wanted to explore the many ways love is expressed in Black communities, through words, but also through music and dance, family and friendship. Many Black people say they didn't grow up hearing the words, I love you, in their homes, but they felt the love in other ways. We start by hearing from a group of men at San Quentin State Prison. My name is Legend Brooks. My name is Louis A. Scott. My name is Lionel Scott. My name is Antoine Williams. And I've been incarcerated 10 years and I've been in San Quentin for five. In the household I grew up in, love was always, the term love was always attached. I love you so much, I hit you. Or because I love you, you make me crazy. I do this because I love you. That was one of the strong points that my mother and father had to offer us because they were come from a really poor family. And I think by them always assuring us that we were loved was a unique thing. No, not in my household. Not in my household. I heard a lot of violence, a lot of arguing, a lot of fights, you know. I, mean, I grew up in a project, so my community, it just different kind of infections you was getting. It was a hate infection, but they loved you, but they hated you. It was all kind of like different love affections I was receiving. Like, I grew, all my life, I grew up acting, acting hard. And everybody around me was acting hard. And we acted like we didn't care about anything. And we acted like we didn't have feelings. And we acted like we had to fight because everybody was watching. And we both know, and deep down inside, we really don't want to fight. But we feel that these are the roles we got to play. No, we never said that in our family. Like you said, in our household, we never even said that to each other. But you knew the love was there. But as far as the words, never heard the words. My name is Clarence Long. Everybody calls me Clay. I've been in prison 32 years on this number. My first time coming to prison was in 1977, but I got out in 82 and came back in 85. I didn't start hearing the words until 86 when I came to Folsom Prison. And uh, so many people was getting murdered. I start calling home and saying, I love you. And then they start saying it back. And it was a different feeling. It was a feeling of something that was needed. Because I had never, we never even said those words to each other, but it felt good to hear it. 
My name is Dorothy Jackson, and I'm Clarence Long's cousin. When, when I would go to visit, he just seemed to really, really appreciate it. You know, my visit, my showing of love for him. I remember uh, on a visit, my cousin came up to visit me, and she touched me on my leg. I love you. And I really, you know, it was just a trip. And it was kind of that old family love. And I hadn't felt that. And I just think he feels that someone cares about him. And the thing, it was just, it was just, it was just powerful, right? In prison, I tell my close friends I love them every night. My name is Shy Wallace Stepter. And a friend of mine, you know, he really explained it to me like, listen, man, this isn't nothing gay. This isn't anything to make you seem like a punk or soft. This is just like because I really got love for you. You know, we sitting out here on these yards and I'm willing to risk my life for you. You know, I'm willing to go to the hole. I'm willing to defend you. I'm willing to protect you. And from that, that comes from a place of love. You know what I mean? And once he explained that to me, you know, I've gotten over all my hangups to saying, you know, love to another man. Those voices were recorded at San Quentin State Prison. You're listening to Cross Currents. I'm Hanat Baba. And today we're presenting a special Valentine's Day episode of The Stoop Podcast, hosted by me and Leela Day. It's called Black Love. As we heard, while many Black folks didn't hear the words, I love you, Black love is expressed through many other ways. Like one type of dance that holds a special place, slow dancing. That smooth dancing between couples on a dim dance floor to some soulful R&B. The energy is like silk and love is in the air. So let's drop in on some Chicago stepping. Stepping, actually, is one of the most romantic dances that I've ever encountered. Stepping, you can put that closeness in with the moves and move your body together. Good day. My name is Lady Margaret, your stepping diva, stepping instructor, and YouTube creator. My name is Malik Emir L. I'm known as Swan. I'm a Chicago stepper. I'm somewhat of an ambassador of the stepping community, and I just love to dance. It's like your soul is having a happy moment, you know, if I can say that, because it's something that you feel inside, it's something you feel in your heart, it's in your brain, and you become very stimulated. To step with someone and they pull you in close like a slow dance, it does actually satisfy that uh, intimacy craving that I believe most women have, and most people, I'm not even gonna say women. I remember when I was a kid going to older people's parties and, you know, the ones your parents would drag you to, and I'd watch these couples and they'd move together, their footwork completely in unison, nothing choreographed, but everything was in sync. It was like this magical dance of older Black people. It was a beautiful thing. Chicago step-in. And it's not to be confused with the step-in that happens at HBCUs. You know, the pat, 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 I can't do it. But anyway, (laughs) 
This is not that. It's Chicago stepping, and it's a partner dance. And it's like the smoothest form of couple dancing. You know, they're gliding on the dance floor. That's, it's different. And there's a whole world dedicated to it. Stepping looks like it's a partner dance, usually between a man and a woman. But you have women dancing with women now and men dancing with men now. So it's definitely a more well-rounded dance. So they hold each other tight. They twist. They turn. They move together. I mean, watching it, Anna? Whew. I mean, yeah, that looks smooth. It looks sensual. My favorite stepping move is to move my hips from side to side. So I am going to take my left leg and come down on my hip from side to side and my right leg come down on my hip and my left leg and come down on my hip. So the first two things I want you to do is shuffle your feet outwardly, forward. So it's going to be like a shuffle, shuffle. So it's one, yeah, shuffle, shuffle. So there you go. So we're going to call that one, two, one, two. Left, right, left. And then you're going to cross over. Cross over. There you go. Shuffle. Cross over. There you go. Shuffle. Cross over. You all find a rhythm and a beat, and you all are one person at that particular time. And many times when you go through that, a guy and a girl may not even release each other's hand when the next song come on. They may just keep dancing because that rhythm and that energy is still high. Stepping allows me to hold a man's hand, and I enjoy that. If a person really watching you, they can see like, man, Okay, I see where he is in the song because sometimes I can drop down to the bottom beat because there's three beats in music. There's the top beat, the middle beat, and the bottom beat. The elements that I like in a dance partner is smooth. Most of the time I dance in the middle of it. You'll find the new steppers, they dance on the top of the beat because they really getting into it, they having fun. It's the beat, it's the rhythm, it's knowing that you're both in sync and it's feeling that you're close to someone, you know? Sometimes you can feel their breath like tickling your neck. You're that close. But then when you really learn the game, you drop to the bottom of it because that's the essence of it. It's almost like that's where you're making love at. I feel like I'm a flower and if you pull my arm too much, it's gonna come off. So <laughs> I just like a guy to be very gentle with me jerking me into a move or pulling me. She's performing on her side, you're performing on your side. The yin and yang is working to create such a beautiful dance that people are in awe because they can see it themselves. They can be like, hey man, y'all got out. So it looks like its own art form, but when you watch it, you can start to recognize some moves, you know, some moves look familiar. Because before this dance slowed down, it was fast. Mm -hmm. 
Bopping is like, it's a faster version of stepping. Instead of you going side to side, you go step, 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 side to side, side to side. Bopping was huge in the 30s and 40s. It was this very fast dance with lots of footwork. You know, it was using the entire space on the dance floor. It came from the jitterbug and Lindy Hop. And those dances where partners looked like they were flying across the dance floor, they were super mainstream. And stepping is a little different than the bop, but it actually has the same cadence in it. And like a lot of dances, they evolve. And Chicago stepping slowed down. It became like the smoothest form of walking. In fact, they call it that sometimes, walking. And dancers move to a downbeat, so it's unexpected. It's just, it's just very graceful. And it's also just inherently Black. Both Lady Margaret and Malik remember learning about the dance in their community. Most Chicagoan thinks, because we grew up with this dance called Steppin', we all think we know how to dance. And so I got into the Steppin' community, I'm going to say by default. (laughs) I was uh, a full-time student, and after school, me and some classmates would go out. And one day, we would usually visit downtown Chicago. One day I said... I want to go into the hood. And so it was kind of looking. I was like, yes. And so we go into this club called The Other Place. My first memory of stepping was about 1978. And it was the summertime. And in my neighborhood, they used to always have block parties. And so I went over to his block for the block club party to get some hot dogs and hamburgers, right? So I'm... I hear this music, then they was playing like uh, Marvin Gaye and all that. And you see all these young people out stepping. I walk up to this young man and ask him, do you know how to step? And I think that was the worst thing you can do with a real stepper (laughs) is ask him that question, but I did. And so I get on the dance floor, he takes me to the floor and I'm doing what I think is stepping and he immediately stopped me and says, no, that's not it. Just in the popular dance now, if you even African dance, you'll see this footwork going on. And so the guys will have each other hands holding them and their feet are just battling against each other. Who can do the best footwork? So after about three months of going there every Saturday for three hours and practicing at home, I really understood the ebb and the flow. I started to understand the pattern. One thing I can say with the love and without the love, everyone is very supportive in the stepping community. Chicago stepping is everywhere. It's all over the country. All right, let's give it up for them. Let's give it up for them, please. This is Cross Currents. I'm Hanat Baba. 
Today we're presenting a special episode of The Stoop called Black Love. As we explore some of the different ways Black communities express love, we also wanted to hear some of the sounds that inspire feelings of love. Here are some people you may know telling us about their favorite sounds of Blackness. In my grandma's house, you know, quintessential black house, she got like some pictures up on the wall. There is JFK, there's Martin Luther King Jr., there's Obama, and there's Shangela Laquifa Wadley. Shangela, aka DJ Pierce, is a reality TV queen. You may know her from RuPaul's Drag Race. My grandma, I'd never forget, she opened the door, she's like, oh, you look just like a woman. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you, Grandma. She was super sweet. What is a sound that embodies blackness for you? My grandma's skillet. It's grease uh, frying in the skillet, and it's fried chicken that she used to fry in a skillet on top of the oven. And she loves a gas heater, a gas stove more than anything else. So she had like a gas range in the kitchen and I could hear it from when I came in the front door from school if she was frying chicken you could hear that and the grease popping that's that's a sound that I immediately recall Mm. I bet it's a smell you recall too oh honey it's everything the smell the taste the smoke in the house that you got to open up the windows and be like "Ooh, granny making chicken So for me, it is just the sound of a black mom reprimanding her children. And there is a certain tone of voice that goes with a black mother reprimanding her children. That always just, it really warms my heart. That's Bob the drag queen, comedian, musician, and well, queen. Years ago, this comedian said something which is always just rang so true for me. And it's when when black moms um, yell at their children, <laughs> when they curse their kids out, they always uh, do it twice. And they, he said he said they always go, um, "Sit your ass down, sit your ass down." So this idea, of, and I just remember my mom saying those words to me all the time: "Sit your ass down." Sit your ass down! Like, all the time she would say those words to me. I just wonder, like, how do black moms all end up kind of just saying the same things and talking the same? But, like, why do, or, like, or like you ask your mom for a Power Ranger, she goes, you got some Power Ranger money? How do all black moms inherently know to ask you whether or not you have Power Ranger money? Because back then, there were not, like, podcasts and, uh, you know, you, we didn't have access to the people's inside lives like this. It was only mainstream representations. And the Cosbys and the Wayans and Good Times didn't say those things. So how did my mom know to ask me whether or not I had Power Ranger money? Also, mom, black moms love to, uh, demi- like, love to put little... <laughs> Exactly. I went down to I went down to your little school. <laughs> I saw your little play you did the other day. It's everything is so little and tiny. How your little girlfriend do? <laughs> I don't what? care how big your girlfriend is. She is your little girlfriend. How you look? How your little girlfriend doing? Uh. What's the sound of blackness to me? It's actually. Uh, people having a very cordial, enthusiastic conversation that sounds like a full-on fight. David Oyelowo, you know, he played Martin Luther King 
in the 2014 film Selma. He played in the film The Butler, Queen of Katwe. You know, that's that's what that's the sound of blackness to me, whether it's in the barbershop or in, you know, or in my mom's kitchen. He says he's Afro-American. I've just done so many films that have been about American history, but specifically African-American history. So, you know, I, I feel so steeped in the culture. I'm an intensely proud Nigerian as well. Are you trying to, hey, this person is trying to kill me. And that's the thing as well. Hyperbole. This person is trying to kill me is literally that person just, you know, nudged me. Are you trying to kill me? Ah, That would literally be like a little nudge on a bus. <laughs> so, we're just, we're just so, we're so extra. It's just like, especially with Nigerians, the, the amount of times I've thought, oh my goodness, all my mom's friends are just having a full blowout argument and you go in and they're just laughing they're ribbing each other it's just it's just they they don't you know nigerians don't do anything by halves and that includes having uh, a, a nice conversation that sounds like you know a riot so everything i'm saying to you now i'm i've got my english accent i'm talking to you like this but if it's if it was my mom or my uncles everything i would be saying would be it'd be like this eh, when i when I have to discipline my children, I would. <laughs> you, are you? Uh, if they came near me, I would teach them. They would not be able to talk to me. What? Because we are in America, I can't discipline. Let the police come. Come to my house, and I will show you how I discipline my children. <laughs> That's what times twenty-five would be the conversation. <laughs> the conversation around discipline. Coming from New York is something about the Timberland boots on the basketball court. <laughs> That's Shamiqua Holdsclaw. She's a former WNBA star. She played for the Washington Mystics, the LA Sparks. Yo, it's crazy. People play basketball in New York in, in the hood and they play in their Tims and they think it's gonna make their calf stronger. But yeah, the, the Timberland boots um, on the pavement and the ball bouncing, that's that's the sounds of sounds of blackness for me. When I hear Timberland on a basketball court, I see black people being really great. Black people being really unique, being empowering, and being proud of what they do, and inspiring other people, especially young kids around the world, black or white. Timberlands on a basketball court reminds me of the old days when everyone used to try to go up to Rutgers Park during the summertime to see all the basketball stars out there do their thing. When you say Timberlands on a basketball court, I think of Kevin Durant pulling up for threes in Tim's, or him coming down the, the court doing dribble moves, dunking the ball. That's crazy. I just, that's all I picture. When I think of Timberlands on a basketball court, I think of New York City. This is how they always used to play in the schoolyards, in the uh, parks and recreation, always Timberlands on a schoolyard. Butterfly in the sky. Butterflies in the sky. I can go twice as high. Twice as high.
Now let's hear from LeVar Burton. What is a sound that embodies Blackness for you? Laughter. (laughs) Deep, cathartic (laughs) laughter. (laughs) It is the sound of my childhood with my family. It is the sound of of gathering with aunts and uncles and cousins. It is the sound of my grandmother's house. Um, It is the sound that um, reminds me that I am not only alive, but that I am safe. My name is, my first name is Lavardis, L-E-V-A-R-D-I-S. You know, I, I have as black a name as you can get. And I am acutely aware that, that that tendency in us is because there was a time when we had nothing else to give our children but a name that that was unique, that only they had. And, and so I think that's a part of, of, of who we are. The story of our enslavement is one that, to me, speaks of empowerment and overcoming. We are the strongest of the strong. They tried their best, their damnedest, to turn us into animals, and they were unsuccessful. The DNA that lives in us is that DNA that survived the horrors. You feel me? That sense of safety and security, I think that 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 we establish in our home space as Black people uh, is really important and critical to our survival, right? The smells of of home cooking and the sound of really hearty laughing are real indicators of safety and security for me. You've been listening to a special presentation of the Stoop podcast called Black Love. A new season has just dropped. Check it out. Subscribe to the Stoop on your podcast player. Today's Cross Currents team includes Pat McMahon, Molly Blair Salyer, James Rollins, Ghanadi Joe Johnson, Victor Tense, Shireen Adil, Lisa Morehouse, Angela Johnston, Marissa Ortega Welch, Sunni Khalid, and Ben Trefney. Our opening theme music is by the John Santos Quintet, as interpreted by Daoud Anthony. For Cross Currents, I'm Hannah Baba. <laughs>